This is Bulls Beat on the Unlimited Unloaded page. Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. Men's and women's soccer, volleyball at home for three matches. Toss in some cross country. We got plenty to give you on the show. Now, it's not going to be a full out preview of the football game against Western Kentucky. You know why? Because we got a 90-minute pregame show that's going to serve as that, and that's why we want you to tune in, especially for the first half hour. That first half hour can only be heard on Bulls Unlimited starting at 2 o'clock. We'll give you the pregame rundown here shortly. Also in our second segment, today we'll be doing double duty with volleyball playing Idaho State at 1 o'clock, and then the men's soccer squad hosting Mercer at night. You'll be hearing from Bob Butehorn, the head coach of the Bulls. You know, they lost their first two matches of the season 2-0 out on the road, and I essentially gave him an out to say, you know, those are two tough opponents, and he, he wasn't interested in that, so I love that. He wants his team to be better, and they are going to start that endeavor tonight and start off at that a five-match home stretch, which we'll be able to bring you on Bulls Unlimited. Women's soccer has a very difficult test in Tallahassee that we'll tell you about. And not only today's match that we're carrying against Idaho State, the volleyball team has two other ones that you won't hear on Bulls Unlimited because you'll be going up against FGCU Friday night at the same time as the men's soccer team is playing. We can't do two games at once anymore, so I'm just trying to spread it out, and that's why we're doing the different sports. But we'll tell you about all three Bulls opponents in volleyball, including who they're playing Saturday afternoon, which obviously for football reasons we won't be able to carry, but we'll be keeping an eye on it all. So, football against Western Kentucky, just some sound bites from a couple of Zoom calls you guys were not in on the last couple of days with members of the squad. You're going to hear some good stuff from both veterans Amaris Brown on the defensive secondary and Donovan Jennings on the offensive line. But before we get to them, a couple of the coordinators. Now, you're going to hear a lot of Joey Johnson's voice, and you definitely will on the pregame show. But on these Zoom calls, and the reason you don't hear my voice is at the same time these Zoom calls were going on, Whoever wasn't the coordinator speaking to the media is the one I was speaking to for our pregame show. Yes, spoiler alert, I don't fly to Bowling Green, Kentucky just to interview the coordinators. We do those earlier in the week because we, meaning myself and Jim Lighthall, are back at a studio in Amelie Arena for the road contest with Jim Lauk, Sam Barrington, and Joy Johnston up in Kentucky for those. So let's go with the offensive coordinator first, Joel Gordon. No, he did not say who the quarterback was, but I'll tell you, go ahead and give you a sneak preview of his conversation with me. Definitely says a lot about Gary Bohannon and Byron Brown and the whole group, so you'll want to tune in for that. We'll give you the full rundown after this audio as far as what you can listen for when. But for now, here's a little of what Coach Joel Gordon, who was at Iowa State for five years, saw a little bit of Alex Golish then. Yeah, we get into that on the pregame show, by the way. But he's talking about the matchup, and while Western Kentucky has a big-time returning quarterback and top-wide receiver duo. Their defense had a stat that will jump out at you as well, as he points out among these comments. At the end, when you hear Joey ask about the communication with Alex Golish, he's actually talking about what it's going to be like with Gordon up in the booth and Golish on the field, a place that Golish hasn't been in a few years. And starting off with a stat about Western Kentucky's defense that will get your attention. They led the country in takeaways last year. So anytime you're doing that, that's not on accident. You know, they were very opportunistic 
you know, when they had the opportunity to get on fumbles and obviously they're creating fumbles and they're catching interceptions, not dropping them. You know, they, they did a phenomenal job of turning the teams over last year. So that's always a, a challenge for any offenses that take care of the football for 60 minutes. But, you know, they're multiple. You know, they, they, they do a, a bunch of different things, which, you know, make you on offense have to be well-prepared or, you know, you can get exposed pretty quickly, but they have really good players. They play really hard for 60 minutes and, you know, they're confident. So we're going to have to match, you know, the excitement level on the field that they're going to bring. And we're going to have to match, you know, the, the detail that they, that they bring to the table, you know, on our side of the ball, this is why you prepare and, you know, work year round to, to get to the games and, you know, for, all of us as first year coaches here, you know, being with this team being brand new for all of us here, we haven't been on an airplane ride. We haven't been in a hotel. We haven't been, you know, in a game setting. So I think that's what I'm, you know, super excited about is to see what happens when our guys are out there by themselves and playing against somebody else. And, you know, they get an opportunity to kind of define who they are. Whatever the case of Western Kentucky's defense, it does feel like anyway a situation where his offense is going to have to keep up. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the Bulls will slow down Western Kentucky completely. And as we transition to Todd Orlando on the defensive side, first of all, his FAU team played against Austin Reed, who's the quarterback for Western Kentucky, and the same Hilltoppers to end their season last year. And that game actually was 24-all, pretty respectable score. And then in overtime, Western Kentucky wins 32-31. They went for two after FAU had scored seven on its first OT position and beat the Owls. So Orlando knows a little bit about slowing down Austin Reed. Western Kentucky's offense has been something else. First of all, Tyson Helton is their head coach. He was the Tennessee offensive coordinator, had been the WKU offensive coordinator in the middle of the previous decade. In four seasons, they've been to four bowl games, three nine-win seasons, including wins in all three bowl games to get that ninth win. Now, in the 2020 season, they did go five and six in their regular year and got a bowl, but neither here nor there. They've been very legitimate. They're picked to win the Conference USA with a lot of those teams leaving. They were six and two last year. The two losses were two, ironically, teams that are in the American now, which is probably why West Kentucky's picked to win. They lost a three-point game at UTSA, which was the league champ. And they got beat up by North Texas 40-13. to But they did a lot of beating up on people. And they did a lot of it with their offense. Two years ago, Bailey Zappi, who? Yeah, he was the FBS record breaker for passing yards. Nearly 6,000 passing yards. Last year, it was a big drop-off to only around 4,700. Oh, by the way, that led the country. Yep, the Hilltoppers throw the ball. Malachi Corley is their top receiver. And Todd Orlando speaks about the matchup this weekend. What concerns you most about Austin Reed, the quarterback, and what they do offensively? Well, he's extremely accurate. He knows the system inside and out, too. He just runs the whole show. So there's nothing that he hasn't seen. You know, it's just a, a great story. You know, it's a story about a guy that wins a, you know, a natty and looks for a home. And a lot of people had an opportunity to recruit him and take him. And he stays loyal to 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 those guys and comes back and, but he's extremely accurate. I mean, like we had an opportunity to play him at the last place I was at. He can thread needles, but he never got rattled. That was the part that I thought was really unique about him. Um, they'll run him. He's not afraid to run the football. Um, 
just a really, really good player. And he's got, you know what I'm saying? Like um, he's got weapons that he can distribute the ball and just take, I thought, you know, when you really, really watch him, how patient he is to just take what the defense gives him. He has a scheme that allows him to do that. Um, but in terms of making every throw, he can do that. And he, he's a really, really good player. And a little bit on his guys. One question that's been posed a lot, will the Bulls have a defensive line? Will they have depth? I feel comfortable with the first, second units and a couple guys that we can put in there that, you know, skill set wise can defend the run game. So I do. I feel like we can do that. And if we have to manufacture some things to go along with it, if we need to get more pressure on the QB, then schematically we'll have to do it. But I feel good. Um, we're in a, I think we're in a, a decent spot right now. You know, we'll see how the game plays itself out, you know, because we're going to see some pace and the first guys that get the most tired are those guys up front. But I uh, have a plan uh, to be able to rotate those guys in there and uh, keep us fresh up front. Defensive coordinator Todd Orlando. Before that, the OC Joel Gordon. You'll hear my conversations with both those gentlemen in the network pregame hour. Go ahead and give you the rundown here before some interesting stuff from A.B. Amaris Brown along with Dono, Donovan Jennings. So we're on the air at 2 o'clock. It'll be 90 minutes for the pregame on road games, two hours for home games. Essentially, that first half hour is meant to get you ready if you're coming to the game early at home. We figured that not a lot of people are actually listening to us going to the game in wherever road city the Bulls are. So that and the other reason for a shorter pregame show is we're not going to be able to duplicate that extra 30 minutes that we're going to give you at home with some new features. Trust me, you'll hear those next weekend. But Joey Johnston will actually come on the air with Jim Lighthall from the field at about 5 after 2. We will still continue to do our Get Crazy segments with our awful predictions to end that first half hour, so don't miss that. Joel Gordon joins me at around 2.35. Michael Kelly hits the booth live with Jim Lauk after that around 2.50. Todd Orlando, if you want to hear that conversation, hits at about 3.05. And then finally, Alex Golish at around 3.20 before the 3.30 kickoff. And more fun things that you'll have to tune in to hear in that 90 minutes. Now, Morris Brown, second year with the Bulls, former Kansas State player, defensive back from Armwood. Ready to roll. What do you see as you watch them on film? Why are they so effective? And what 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 concerns you about defending them? Uh, honestly, nothing concerns me. Uh, I'm not really worried at all. But uh, from what I've seen watching film, um, they do a good job of running like rub routes and, and getting getting their playmakers into space. Basically, you know, creating um, opportunities for their quarterback. You know, to to put them in positions to make plays. It's just a, it's a discipline thing. We're just going to have to be disciplined with our eyes and our feet and, and just communicate and we'll be fine. So, Morris, I know uh, winning cures everything. A win's a win, you know, whatever. They Everybody says that in football. So all that being said, if you can win on Saturday, don't care how you get it done, but if you win, what's that going to mean to you and the team if you guys are 1-0 after Saturday? Um, honestly, it's going to mean a lot. Uh, it's going to show the work that we put in over these last eight months. And um, one thing I can say, I feel like in the past, we, we've always, you know, we always believed that we could win. And But, you know, Coach Golders just talked to us the other day, and he told us, you know, we need to be expecting to win. You know, it's a different outcome when you're expecting to win versus when you believe you can win. You know, so I feel like uh, it'll definitely mean a lot to the team because, you know, we're going in with the mindset that we expect to win this game. We're not going in thinking like, oh, yeah, we're, we hope we can win this game. We believe we can do it. Like, no, we're going in there. Like, we're going to go win that game. You get what I'm saying? So that's the that's the difference right there. Sounding confident 
and Donovan Jennings ready for year number six. How is that possible? Well, his first year and then last year, one for the whole red shirt purposes pre-COVID, last year for injury, he was limited to four games. So that works out for the Bulls, if you ask me. Veteran offensive tackle. Oh, yes. You know, running the ball has always been, you know, one of our strongest suits. And, you know, we have, you know, the offensive line to be able to do it and the running backs, you know, with Kelly Joyner, Naquan back there, Michael Dukes, Dominic, you know, um, your size young. You know, we got all the capable backs to be able to, you know, impact the run game heavily. Um, and I'm just so excited to see those guys can do because, you know, all those running backs are working very hard. You know, the effort grade all all fall camp has been very high. So I'm just excited to, uh, you know, open some holes for those guys and just, you know, get those holes that we need and just see them break loose and have fun out there. Uh, what do you think is the most important thing for you guys to be successful on Saturday? Is there a facet of the game or something you absolutely have to do to happen to, help to win this game? Yeah, I think the most important thing is just no self-inflicted wounds, play smart, play fast, you know, play, play USF ball, play with high effort, high intensity. And, you know, just know that, you know, no matter, no, no team can beat us. We can only beat ourselves. And if we just keep that mindset and just keep pushing forward and keep, you know, having the same attitude and the same effort and attacking each day and each practice with the same intensity, then, you know, we should have a great outcome. Tough opponent. We can't wait to bring it to you on Bulls Unlimited. Pre-game starts at 2 o'clock. We'll be bringing you volleyball and men's soccer on Friday before all of that, previewing what they've got going on along with women's soccer, a little cross-country as well. When Bulls Beat continues. This is Bulls Beat on the Unlimited Unloaded page. If you listen to this show all the time, you don't need me to tell you, but if you're new, I'll go ahead and tell you that we don't just do football. We do plenty of it, and the new coaches show, we're calling it Bullseye with yours truly, BJ Daniels. Kaylee Cottrell debuts next Thursday, and you're going to love that, I think. But we also do play-by-play on soccer and volleyball during the fall, and of course, plenty of coverage of those squads on Bulls Beat Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So in this show, let's get your set for the weekend in those sports. Again, we'll have a split doubleheader, day-night doubleheader, whatever you want to call it, with two different sports. Volleyball after those incredible matches, which, by the way, had them second in the country in attendance. Probably, yes, helped by Florida Gator fans and the fact that the first match was at Emily Arena, but it still shows you how many people came to watch the Bulls. It wasn't the 90,000 that watched Nebraska in the football stadium on Wednesday night. How incredible was that? But incredible in its own right what took place in Tampa last weekend. So the Bulls are back at the Yingling Center if you want to catch them on a Friday afternoon. If not, I'll have the call of the Bulls and Idaho State. Like the chances for the Bulls here against a Bengals team that last year was 13-17, and 17, began its season against Boise State last weekend. In fact, played them in Boise on Friday and then in Pocatello home of the Bengals on Sunday. And if you're thinking they're right next to each other, that's a three-hour drive. Boise State won every set. However, the third set in the first match was 32-30. And it's like they picked up where they left off. The first set on Sunday was 28-26, and there was a 25-23 in there. So they're 0-2, but battle-tested. Sounds a lot like the Bulls. That's at 1 o'clock. We will not have the other two matches this weekend. Incidentally, if you're not sure you want to see some volleyball, last chance to catch them pre-conference. They'll be on the road the next two weeks. Friday night, FGCU provides a marquee opponent. The Eagles are a perennial NCAA tournament team. They've beaten the Bulls five straight, including four in recent years, three in straight sets. They went 26-7 and last year. That seventh loss was in the first round of the NCAA tournament in Gainesville in five sets to Iowa State. Now, last weekend, the Eagles went 1-2. and two. They got in some good work, though. They hosted three power-type schools. Now, none of these were 
NCAA schools last year. In fact, St. John's was the only one that went above 500 and lost in the first round of the NIVC in straight sets to Boston College. Arizona State rolled everybody last weekend in straight sets, including the host Eagles, but then they turned around in five sets and beat Ole Miss. Yes, an SEC team, but towards the bottom of the SEC, so quality victory, yes, but we'll see. And then they lost in five sets to St. John's after winning the first two. You could definitely argue that the Bulls had a tougher start to their schedule as far as opponents go. The new rankings had, by the way, Georgia Tech ranked 11th and the Florida Gators ranked 8th, but once again, FGCU is always good and should provide a stiff test. And then everybody will be in Tampa from Macon, Georgia. The men's soccer team will get there in a minute. From Mercer is playing in Tampa on a Friday night, and then on a Saturday afternoon, it's the volleyball squad. The Bears are off to a 1-2 and two start. They went to Tuscaloosa last weekend, lost in straight sets to the host Alabama, took down Mississippi Valley State in three easy sets, and then basically the swing match, similar to FGCU, went to five sets, and they were on the losing end of it, despite forcing a fifth set with a 26-24 in the fourth. So Mercer should be a challenge for the Bulls as well. Now, on the men's soccer side, Bulls started off last weekend, as we talked about on Monday's show, with a pair of 2-0 defeats against the number 6, or at least formerly number 6, Washington Huskies. You know, they would turn around and lose to San Diego. All of a sudden, San Diego's ranked 12th in the country. And then to Seattle on Sunday afternoon. So as I said, and I like this, Bob Uthorn given the opportunity to essentially have an excuse for two 2-0 losses, and he refused to take that. I sat down in his office to get you set for tonight's match, which you'll hear on Bulls Unlimited. Big game tonight. Before we get there, back from Washington, Coach, and okay, I'm not going to ask you about the weather. I'm sure that was nice, the results. I watched both matches, and people are going to say, well, they lost twice 2-0. First of all, these weren't going to be games you ran away with if you did win. They were tough opponents how would you assess what went down uh i think i think i would probably agree with with people out there and saying it was two losses and, and the <laughs> bottom line that's what it what it was and, nice. and honestly we uh while if you watch the game we we played well at times and again i think i made the comment that when you play washington and you have to beat them there uh, especially an east coast team it's always difficult they don't lose there often um but i think we matched um their level but we did exceed it so we had to do that to win the game um, and uh, it was a tale of two t- halves. Um, they scored late in the first half, and they scored late in the second half. So it's just one of those things where you're chasing the game, especially against Washington, is very difficult. Seattle was a different story. I think we played well after the first 15 minutes. Um, unfortunately, gave up a soft goal, um, and again was chasing the game. The second half, I, I, I think we had numerous chances to score, start, especially in the start of the game or start of the half. But, again, I think we just are missing some connect- connections. We were a little bit uh, – our tactics were a little bit uh, skewed or um, on the second game. I don't know why, but the kids were a little bit under um, the assumption of one thing, and then we were playing in a different way. So just whatever it was, it took us a half to get it kind of sorted out. Um, but I do think that uh, the, the good thing is it's if you see signs of growth and you see signs that – you know, maybe there was a little bit of unluck on the day, um, and I think that's what, kind of what we, we saw was it was a good, good day for us other than the scoreboard. Um, I thought we made a lot of progress. On the other end, it's not like you were giving up a bunch of great chances, took some outstanding individual efforts, and on the other hand, you guys came so close, especially late against Seattle. Uh, they never really explained first half against Washington, goal mouth scramble for you guys, where I think Jalen roofed it in. What yeah, was that? We didn't get an explanation either, so we didn't. Um, <laughs> you're talking about the goal we scored, and it was called back. We yeah. don't know. We don't know what happened there. Okay. 
but and things not, can change if that goes you, the other way. Yeah, we would have we would have scored first. Um, but again, those are all things you have to deal with and overcome. And I think it was unfortunate, um, and uh, we, it didn't affect the game. It, it, if if we had scored, it would have. But uh, them us not scoring did not affect the game for us. We were still had the same game plan. And I thought it was a good one. I think. And being a, a young team together, I think we just weren't the aggressor that we needed to be against Washington. Against Seattle, I think it was a different story, and we were just, again, we weren't rewarded for that work. I am going to ask you about the weather now. Is that part nice? Because we're all jealous. Yeah, yeah, there's no <laughs> doubt. Uh, I took a lot of walks and enjoyed the weather and the, and the coolness in the mornings, and especially in the evenings. The guys really enjoyed that. Um, but, I, I, yeah, I, Seattle in general is a – it's a it's a very nice town. The food's good. Um, the unfortunate thing is they were dealing with fires too at this time of year. Oh, wow. Canadians, uh, Canadian uh, fires, I guess, are going up there. They, they get all the smog, so it wasn't as clear. We did get to see Mount Rainier as you know we usually can. Nice. But in general, the weather was amazing. And of course, there's going to be a lot of matches to talk to you about during this homestand. Let's just focus on tonight's match against Mercer, a team that you're familiar with and one that you think, if you guys get it sorted out, you'll be okay yeah. against. Well. I, I, and the, the way that, the, you know, anyway in our sport is, it's very interesting. Our sport is humbling so many times. Mm-hmm. And we always have to be aware that you have to play, you have to play that your standards are higher all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very easy for a, a team to kind of dismantle you or sit in and counter you. And, and I think one of the things we have to go out, you know, tonight is make sure that we are fully prepared. It's our home. It's our home opener. Um, that we aggressively go after the game. We play our style and we should take care of business. But... It's college soccer. It's soccer in general, and we have to know like it can be, it can be ruthless, and we have to make sure that we take care of our business. I'm liking that approach. Good luck tonight. Thanks, Thank Bob. You. Thank you. The reason you feel the Bulls are going to get some goals, first of all, recent history. Last year, the Bulls did not score in their first four games, and then beat Mercer two nothing. Mercer would be above 500 last year. However, this season, Mercer's already given up six goals in a game. Probably a little bit of an anomaly. It was against Fullerton State, and Mercer took a red card about 20 minutes in, and Four of those six goals came in the last 20 minutes once the floodgates opened, but liking the Bulls' chances of at least denting the scoreboard. Barzi Blama, great name, has scored a goal in each of Mercer's matches. They did beat Southern Indiana 2-0, and the freshman from Georgia has a goal in each. More, of course, on both teams tonight. We're also scheduled to have some South Florida men's soccer alum join us at halftimes of the broadcast, so a nice little wrinkle there. Women's soccer, extremely tough opponent. I mean, one of the best in the country, Florida State. They'll play Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock. Made it all the way to the Final Four last year, national title in 21, and three years before that, and four years before that. They are simply an overwhelming physical-type team, and they started off their season in the state of Texas against two ranked-type teams and beat Texas A&M and TCU in two low-scoring games. Although i got to mention, TCU, and I mentioned this because UAB is a Bulls opponent now in conference, hosted UAB, and it was 0-0 last night. Although you think the Bulls had the stat advantages on FGCU and couldn't win on Sunday, this was crazy. TCU had 16 corner kicks to zero for UAB. So while we're there, FGCU's goalkeeper, who made some incredible saves to blank the Bulls, Olivia Molina, I put it on my Twitter page last night, made an unreal save at high point, but they did end up giving up a goal and tying one-to-one. For that matter, last night, Louisiana, the team that somewhat surprised the Bulls for their other loss, was undefeated until last night. Guess who they lost to? A conference opponent for the Bulls, FAU, 2-1. to We'll tell you about what happens in Tallahassee with women's soccer on Monday's show. And remember, next week, the Bulls are at home 
on Wednesday night against Florida College. This morning, Cross Country was over in Lakeland, Florida Southern, hosting an event. And Brand New Bull finished in third place at the 4K race. That would be Marlo Hibbler. She's from Fort Lauderdale. 15 minutes and 32 seconds across the 4K course. That's an average mile of 5.57 on a cross-country course. A couple student-athletes from UT finished first and second. Cindy Granick was in the top 25. Had a chance to talk to her earlier in the week as part of cross-country's photo shoot. And this just gives you a little idea of the work they put in. Very pleasant young lady got to meet the third-year bull from Bradenton. Practice six days a week. We'll do Monday Thursday are our easier days, but we'll get up at 6 and do 60 minutes of activity. Wednesday are our mid-long run days, so we'll do 70 minutes of activity. And then Sunday will be our long run days. Um, right now I'm at, I'm at about 10 miles. hope to get up to 12 by the end of the season. Huh. Tuesdays and Fridays, sometimes Fridays we have meets, but typically Tuesdays and Fridays are our workouts. So we'll either be on the IM Fowler Fields okay. or the track or around campus doing a tempo, but a speedier workout. First of all, when you say activity versus workout, is it all running? Because <laughs> cross country <laughs> is pretty much running. What's the difference? So ha- I've been coming back from a stress reaction in my tibia. Mm. Activity, 60 minutes of activity. I might run for 30 minutes, bike or swim for the other 30. Got it. Um, it's just about, I don't want to put too much stress on my body yet. Wow. Well, how are you feeling? Good. I'm so excited to get the season started. Excellent. I was just thinking, and I'm sure people listening, most of them are like 60 minutes activity would be five minutes running and then 55 minutes yes. getting catching our breath. But uh, is that just sort of common? You get used to it, the, the wake-up call, the early wake-up call? It's just part of the deal? It's it's like a different, you don't even realize. By the time it's 8.30, you're like, oh, I've been up for <laughs> two and a half hours. You know, I get up early with a microphone and I have sometimes a rough start. I can't imagine having to run fast that early in the morning. Again, they participated in the FSC Mox cross-country kickoff over at Holloway Park, the first of just four cross-country meets during the regular season because, well, it's cross-country. You can't exactly do a, you know, two games in a row. Technically, that was a 4.2K, by the way. The men ran a 6K. Florida Southern is actually one of the highest-ranked programs in Division Two. It had four runners in the top seven. The Bulls' top two finishers were 13th and 14th. Jonathan Reed and Jack Dravo both ran a five-and-a-quarter-minute pace. Sebastian Edwards was not far behind in 16th place. I actually had a chance to meet Sebastian, so you'll hear that conversation soon enough right here on Bulls Beat. So football begins for the Bulls anyway today. I know there were games last night and last week. Cross country started today. Soccer and volleyball in swing and golf and tennis coming up soon. Also fall, softball and baseball. They'll be playing games in October. I had Ken Erickson sent me the schedule. I ran into him at school the other day. They announced a very interesting signing, a transfer. Olivia Elliott, outfielder from Cambridge in Tampa, spent her first season over at UCF. Tough lineup to crack. Started seven games, hit 259. Did hit a homer against Alabama. Pretty prolific in high school. Had an 8-12 batting average her junior season with 13 homers and 21 steals and slumped to 732 as a senior. So Olivia Elliott. Big pickup for Ken Erickson. Also ran into Billy Mole yesterday. They don't have nearly as many actual fall games, just the one, but plenty of fall ball workouts. And oh yeah, women's basketball had their practices begin this week. One non-participant, Judith Oliva, one of the two new players from Spain whose first name is Judith because she's playing in an international event for her under-18 team. And one of the new members of Amir Abdurrahim's men's basketball team, 
pretty cool tweet sent out Thursday showing the basically the officers for the SAC, the Student Athlete Advisory Committee, and one of them is a member of the men's basketball team, one of the transfers from Kennesaw State. So Brandon Stroud already showing to be a leader off the court. And the president, I love this kind of stuff, Madeline Penman-Durston, she's been off the soccer pitch due to injuries the last two years. She's going to miss this season, but she is obviously taking control off the soccer field, and I love to see that. We love bringing all the information to you and all the play-by-play, plenty this weekend, right here on Bulls Unlimited. Thanks for listening to Bulls Beat on a Friday. Horns up this weekend. I'm Derek Sharp.